Sorry for the holiday hiatus, but I'm back to deal some more things that I haven't even told my therapist. As noted, the whole drive of me getting this show on the road started from a massive divide in my personal life triggered by my continuous anxiety-related drinking habits. I realized that I would have to confront all of my issues in order to possibly fix some of them. This involved taking a deep dive into all different aspects of my history with mental health and all the different aspects and factors in my pain, and deciding to disclose those struggles to the general public so that we may all approach these matters more effectively and openly. As the first part of this journey, I aim to take a hiatus from drinking, with the thought that a clear, sober mind is probably the most effective way to approach these matters. And with that, Monday, January 3rd marked a full month without alcohol for myself. That being with a very, very fair exception of a single sip of San Juan Seltzer, but they just came out with new flavors and I wasn't going to not give at least one of them a try. And with that, welcome all to 2022. May it not be a shit show like those last two unmentionable years. The Roaring Twenties starts today. As my departure from football really came through and finalized, I realized how big of an aspect of my identity that being an athlete had been. I became super self-conscious and socially anxious since so much of my old social life was based around being an athlete. I lost a bunch of confidence in both myself and in my friendships, which were as far as I know now as solid as ever. But what really hurt me was the loss of purpose and structure that athletics had originally given me. It really allowed me to spiral and jump off the rails, I guess. And as I've looked inward and really approached this matter, I've realized how big being an athlete is to an individual's identity. And so for that reason, I brought on a couple of friends from the hockey team right here at Bowdoin to discuss the matter of what it means to be an athlete and furthermore, what it meant to be an athlete during COVID. I know myself, I don't think I would have taken the steps to finalize my career to hang up the cleats if I had just a normal experience and was able to stick with it and stick by my friends throughout the whole thing. So now to share their stories and hopefully give you guys a break from my, my old voice, I would like to introduce Chris Brown, Joe Alexander, and Bobby Pearl, all class of 2023 right here at Bowdoin. A couple of guys I became really close with in the spring semester, which was one hell of a semester as we will explain as the interview goes along, but I hope you enjoy. I'm going to kind of cue them into each sharing their own stories of something they've dealt with. We're actually going to start off with Chris Brown over here who's going to tell the story of him getting transferred back in juniors. So, take it away, Brown. Yeah, so uh, Chris Brown here, junior forward, Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, on the hockey team. And uh, just telling a couple of stories, and I thought uh, I have a good one here for Lloyd. Um, it's kind of unusual, and most people that probably hear it won't really relate to it. I think Joe's got a pretty similar one coming up. Um, so when I was like 18, actually probably 19, I went out to British Columbia to do a, a year juniors out there um, with the Chilliwack Chiefs. And uh, as I was going over there, it's a, it's a pretty good league. And um, I was go actually going with uh, four of my Salisbury High School uh, teammates, uh, lost in the Elite Eight Files, kind of pretty big dagger. Um, but yeah, we go, uh, we go over there and um, I transitioned really well. I loved it out there. It was beautiful. The team was really well, uh, like well coached. Uh, 
very like tight knit, a lot of really skilled players. And um, as I got over there, uh, I just I settled in. I loved it. And then probably about two and a half months in, I could tell like uh, the top three lines were all committed. Division one. Um, I wasn't kind of getting the looks that I I felt that I should have. And um, after one practice, I kind of just got called into uh, the locker room and then the coach's office. And uh, while everybody was kind of hanging out in the other locker room, just uh, relaxing, you know, shooting the shit, having a good time. I was in uh, the coach's locker room, basically talking about uh, where I saw myself on the team. If the like this team was a good fit for me and I was like yeah I love it here I think I just got to play with like better players and more skilled guys and I'd be able to kind of have an impact and um, after like a little bit they basically brought up the idea of me getting traded and I kind of got blindsided and uh, after that it just slowly spiraled and they said uh, go think about it tonight um, text our, our head coach and uh, he'll uh, he'll meet you tomorrow morning. So uh, I ended up texting him and I was like calling my mom. I was like, Mom, I think I might get traded. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I got a meeting tomorrow. She's like, Oh, it'll be fine. Like, just go in, like, do the meeting. So I, I ended up going into uh, the head coach's office and he's like, Listen, like, we love having you here and everything, but it's not it's not really working out. So we have the option to kind of keep you in British Columbia or trade you cross country to to Ottawa. And I was like, listen, if, I, if I'm going to get traded, I'm, I'm going closer to home. Like, it was, and then I ended up hopping on a flight that, uh, that next day and, and going all the way across. But it was a real gut check time. I've never had anything in, that, in my life like that. And it really kind of matured me for, for multiple reasons. And uh, the most being is just uh, I saw how much my family kind of cared for me. Like, I ended up, I drove out to British Columbia with my mom so and my dad and uh, my mom had to fly back to grab the car and then drive that solo all the way back to Ottawa while because uh, I had to be there the next day to play in a game for this other team and it was the first time that I kind of saw hockey as a business and I saw it's like underbelly and I didn't kind of really uh, love what I saw and I was going to a place that I didn't know knew nobody and uh, kind of as soon as I got there I hated it I didn't really like my billet parents who were actually like awesome to me as time went on but like as I got there I just like I couldn't stand the like thought of being there and it really kind of took a toll on me and it was probably the hardest kind of six months of my life over there but it, it just kind of shows you uh, a couple different alleys that you can go down like you can you know stick it out or I remember calling my mom and my dad like close to tears a couple times like telling them I, like I, I'm done with hockey like quitting hockey and like I applied to colleges just to like to go to school, just because I was so sick of uh, so sick of where I was at, just physically but mentally like I was so done with and it, and I love hockey and I just like throughout a tough portion of my life like all I could rely on was hockey and on that portion like the thing I love most kind of started to slip away from me so I had to lean on to some other stuff and that's when I really started to appreciate my family and uh, my brother was super helpful through there and uh, even though I always wanted to play like division one I, I just realized like I can't do another year of this like I, I gotta go to school and just kind of find my way into a normal life where you know I can kind of dictate 
more of what I do. Like I can kind of pick my job and I never wanted to like have a feeling that I was like powerless again and just had somebody go, listen, like we basically don't want you. Like that's the first time I had somebody say, listen, we like you, but like you're basically not what we need. You're not good enough. So you got to get kind of the fuck out of here. And, I, and that sucked, but I mean, coming into college, it really kind of matures you. I mean, hockey guys are older anyway. Like a lot of people will see that, like come in 20 years old instead of 18, some older guys, but having these experiences, it just kind of shows a maturity um, through some of the guys that, it, and I'm sure a bunch of guys have stories like this. They either love juniors or they hate it. Like, but yeah, that's kind of my story for, for getting traded there. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that there, Brownie. Uh, how would you say this affected your relationship with hockey, like moving forward? Like as you got into college, obviously you explained the effect, the effect that it had on you as a man and sort of shaping you for college and kind of the person you wanted to be. But have, uh, do you still feel those feelings lingering around? Do you still second guess playing, even continuing to play hockey at all? Um, I've had, uh, I've had portions and I know this might help some of our freshmen and some guys on our team. I've had portions where, yeah, like, again, your coach might not see you in a role that way, and you got to, like, earn kind of what you what you get for playing time. And it's hard when you're not really getting a chance. So being on, like, the sidelines, being up in the stands, or uh, really just not playing, you feel, like, almost, like, kind of worthless. So, so it's kind of a gut check, and it really makes you almost resent hockey. But I, there's just... I could never quit just simply because of the guys I have in that room. Like, I love it, again. Uh, like, I wouldn't quit because I just love the sport. But the guys in the room, like, it makes it makes everything. Being in the locker room with just beforehand, afterward, it's a, like, it's a brotherhood. Everybody would tell you that, but, like, these are, like, the things that you remember. I'm not going to remember the final I'm taking tomorrow. Like, it's just, it's different. So, it's definitely matured me, though. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us, Brown. I think it's really telling on uh, just kind of how men really manifest their feelings through sports and how, especially as athletes, how much like self-worth and self-value really gets poured into that thing that becomes such a holistic aspect of your life. And it's, it's nice to hear that there's other people experiencing the same things that I think, honestly, a lot of guys go through and really shell in. Um, so, yeah, appreciate you saying that, sharing that story. Um, next up, we're going to hear a similar story from Joe A. Also had some, had some struggles, had some turmoil going through junior hockey, so look forward to what he has to say. Yeah, I'll talk, I'll, um, I'll talk about my, uh, my instance of getting traded as well, but um, I'll give you some background as well with some of my junior career. I decided uh, after graduating high school in 2017, I decided to do a year of junior hockey and potentially two. Um, because you can play as many, I guess, it's based on your age group, and I'm a 1998 birth year, and so 1998s could play juniors up until 2019. So I did end up doing two years, and it was a mixed experience for me because my thought process was this is a good avenue for me to get into college and play hockey in college where I like, and it ended up working out perfectly. This is kind of where I saw myself, especially at the Division three level at Bowdoin. And also in the process to see where, if I can test the waters with Division One as well. So I think that's how a lot of people go into it. Um, that was at least for me. I think some guys will go into it already with kind of a school opportunity and they go to mature so they can go to a specific place. Mine was to get some exposure. So 
I spent most of my junior hockey career playing in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. Um, my first year there was in 2017 to 18. Great experience, team did really well. We got to play in the national championship in Canada, it was awesome. It uh, wasn't awesome all the time. I mean, I had to kind of learn. That was like the first time I'd ever been, you know, left out of a lineup as a healthy scratch before. And that happened a few times throughout the year, something you don't really experience when you play in high school. Um, so that's kind of a gut check. You kind of, that's where you're basically, I guess, told or implied that you're not, <clears throat> you're not good enough to be in the lineup tonight. You know, it, it we'll have you on the, because you can only address a certain amount of players. So that happened a few times. You learn to deal with that. Um, and I learned there kind of how to accept a role that I wasn't used to playing. In high school, I had more of an offensive role. I'd always be on the ice. I'd always have the puck. Uh, that first year of juniors, I was on a pretty skilled team, a lot of good players. So I, uh, I just kind of had to accept my role as more of a guy who'd fill in when needed, play hard defense, and play reliable minutes whenever was given the opportunity. So the first lesson I kind of took from that year was find your spot if you're on a team. Um, it's not always easy, but... The team is, I guess, at the end of the day, more important than your individual self. And I think once you realize your value, you become appreciated. And I had a great relationship with my coach. He saw me. He saw that I took advantage of the opportunities I was given, and he appreciated that I kind of would put my ego aside to you know, help the team out with whatever it took. Um, so that was my first year. My second year, I decided to take a leap of faith, I guess, and play in a different league called the North American Hockey League. Um, the team I chose to play for was called the Brookings Blizzard, Brookings Blizzard in Brookings, South Dakota, very random. But that league is a lot of teams spread out across the country in like smaller towns that draw like, you know, draw small town crowds. They have nice ranks, nice stadiums. Um, and that league's pretty good for college advancement, which was my, my reason for going there. The team, I was not very good. We didn't start off too hot. Um, it was a relatively inexperienced team, but I was an older guy now. I was in my last eligible year of junior, so I was considered more experienced. I have one year, but that was a lot for, I guess, relative to the rest of the team. And like my situation, but then about two months in, I get traded to a team like on the other side of the country, or, you know, I'm up north in South Dakota, and I get traded to a team in Corpus Christi, Texas, which I'm traded there, and I'm being told by the coach that uh, brought me in, like, you know, we really want you to be a reliable defenseman. We see you as a top four defenseman. You'll play good minutes. You have experience. You've played in championship games. You have a winning pedigree, blah, blah, blah. We're excited to have you. So that's great. That's encouraging. And I go down there, and, um, I mean, I can tell, I, I, you can tell kind of right away that this coach, and just to give you some background, not to get too distracted, but junior hockey, as Browning kind of alluded to, is pretty cutthroat with regards to, you know, trades, cuts, all that stuff, because it, it does operate like a business. It's not like you play in a college team and you're given a roster spot and keep that. You have to, I mean, they only They're trying to make money. Yeah, they're trying to make money. They're trying to sell tickets, draw crowds, or just, they, they, this, they operate like similar to a professional team would, which is very unique. I don't think any other sport has that for any level before college. It's very, very unique and interesting. Um, Anyway, so that was, that I kind of, I, I would say that like that was probably the darkest part of my hockey career because after two weeks I thought I played fine, was doing well, but I wasn't given, being given the feedback that I would have liked. I wasn't being told um, exactly what I was expected of and with that I was getting sad, I was getting, I got healthy scratched again. 
every every other game. So it was confusing. I didn't quite understand what was going on. And to be also, this was probably the first coach I've had where I was like, this guy's like a legitimate piece of shit. Did not like this guy at all. He kind of had his guys that he stuck to and that were kind of his soldiers, which, I mean, I didn't really, it, it was really weird. It's kind of like an outsider coming to the team, seeing that. I was like, this is really bizarre. Like, these guys are almost like indentured servitudes to this guy. It was kind of strange. Um, but yeah, I didn't, that was, and I also, it was also just a weird situation because I've never been here before, didn't know anyone prior on the team, so it was tough. And then I eventually was able to get my way out of there and go back to Ottawa for the rest of the year. Um, and I think this experience probably told me, I guess, the nature of the business of junior hockey. Um, it also taught me in, in junior hockey, we that's all we did. We didn't really go to school. We didn't work. Like This was our full-time job, full-time obligation. And that this experience told me that I don't want to be just a hockey player. I don't want to maintain my identity solely as a hockey player because when it's not going my way within the sport, it's not going to be rewarding for me in general. I'm not going to feel too good about everything if I just fully focus my identity as a hockey player. So that was a second lesson I had. And then I go back to Ottawa. Things are great. I'm familiar situation. And then I unfortunately incur two separate concussion incidents that occur within three weeks of each other. Um, the first one was pretty mild. I get it in a game, play the rest of the game, and didn't really feel it bothered me that much. But... So I returned to play about five days after, and then I get another one, which was worse. And if you get, you know, a series of repeated concussions close together, that's, I mean, that's obviously, I'm not going to get too scientific with it, but like, that's not good. Like that's, that's brain trauma that's willing to happen. So I sit on it for a bit, decide to shut my season down. I had already committed to Bowen at this point. I yeah. kind of glanced over that. So I decided... I'm going to miss out on another playoff run with this team. This is another good team I could be a part of, and it, it would be you know, a great opportunity once again. But I have my future intact, and it is not worth it for me to try and get, to get hurt again with, that, with me already kind of having a position locked in at school next year. Like, my brain is most important. And I would say what I struggle with a lot from this was missing out on the team's success and basically just like sitting on the sidelines for three months. I went home, let the team do their thing. I had like an early start to the summer, which was nice. I took advantage of it, got a head start on training for next year, went on vacation, it was good. Um, but I think that furthered my, I guess, prospect of hockey isn't my life. I don't need to do this forever. I don't need to sacrifice my health, mental and physical for this sport. I think there has to come a time where I need to make a decision for my future. And um, I think this was a huge eye-opening experience for me um, in that regard. So that's kind of a brief synopsis of my junior hockey experience. Um, and then I guess coming to Bowdoin, I've been able to kind of take these experiences and really appreciate the game for what it is. I mean, I've learned so much from it. There's obviously going to be like some negative things that come from the game as you play your whole life and in different places. but. Um, it's been, I mean, it's been a remarkable experience because here we get to balance everything. We have to balance our social life, our academics and our school. And we know like once we're done with school, we're not, this is kind of it for us for competitive hockey unless we decide to play pro for a bit, which is a possibility. But I think this is like a good place to kind of have a balance of everything. And, you know, I'm thankful I'm here. I'm thankful for the experiences that I've incurred. So sorry for that. It was kind of long winded, but I felt that.
try to get everything in there that I could. Can I hop in for a sec? He kind of touched on it, but um, when you're not where you want to be, I think physically and in a mental state, like it doesn't really matter how good your team is, like how good you're doing. I think it's just, it's like hell. Yeah. Like I, I went from, I went from Chilliwack where I loved it and was playing like probably six minutes a game to a team that I was on the first line playing 18 to 19 minutes a game and doing like much better, getting a lot more like looks and everything. But I just like, as soon as like the game was over, like I knew like I was just doing nothing. Like he's, like Joe said, like you in junior hockey, you literally like sit there. I had practice once a day and no like scheduled workouts. So I'd be at the rink for my practice. That would be at three. I'd go at like one thirty. I'd be there forty five minutes before anybody else just to like be outside my house. Cause I and then practice would go to like three forty five. Be out of there by four thirty, and then go and sit in my room. Like a lot of kids play video games. A lot of kids had roommates. I didn't have any of that. So I legit played like I drive like forty minutes to one of my teammates' houses to play like fucking board games. That's how bored I was. Like, it's just, you got to find stuff to, like, keep you busy. So, like, when you're not where you want to be, it can be hard no matter how, like, well you're doing, how, like, even if you love the kids on your team, like, you got to find something basically different, and it tests your kind of will a little bit. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing those stories. I think something that both you guys did a really good job of touching on is, uh, I think Joey said it first, but talking about, putting the team first and I think after a whole career there's that's such a loaded statement because yeah. at the end of the day like yeah you got to put the team first it's a team sport but I at least in my own experience I know that's something that can sort of force you to sweep a lot of stuff under the rug right and and really conceal a lot of feelings inside yourself that and and just kind of force them down and not confront them altogether so I, I guess the point that I'm getting at is uh, I don't think there's enough discussion in athletics of really taking that extra step, looking inward. And I think some some teams are part, starting to do it with things like mindfulness and and um, like sort of mental training, that side of the ball. But um, I, I, I think that's kind of over-aggressively boosted aspect of sports because the individual is so important at the end of the day, especially as, as the story sort of progressed at, as Brownie was saying like having the realization that maybe D1 and pros aren't like the the thing you're searching for like mm -hmm. continuing to put the team first at that point like at the end of the day you know your your career is coming to an end at, at a certain point especially at the D3 level uh, not everybody is going to be able to pull one out of that situation yeah. so I mean I think at this point um, you do everything you can for your team I mean they're your brothers they're the guys you're out there fighting with all the time but um, there's a little, you've seen it through sports more recently, especially this year, where people have taken a step back. I think when it's kind of become too much, and I know there's different views on, on all that, but I think it's just really important, especially at least from my experience in talking to other teammates uh, at Bowdoin, talking to high school teammates, just 
to basically monitor yourself and realize that you know sports, especially at a Division three, like like it's not the end all be all. You gotta make sure that you're not only like making like checking up on yourself, but checking up on like your teammates, making sure they're doing well. Like if I know when I got scratched, I don't know if you guys these two got really scratched uh, their freshman year, but I had. I had seniors, like I was lucky I had my brother, but I had like other seniors, juniors, even sophomores like pat me on the back. Like, listen, like we've been there, like just keep your head up. And like, even though it might not like feel like that means a lot, it's just like, it's good to know that like other kids have been through it. Like, and you see how they're doing now after they get scratched. And I think that's really like important, especially coming into like a, a division three school when you're in the stands watching, when you want to be out there with your teammates. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's always a brutal transition from ending one level and kind of starting another, going from big big fish in a small pond to that little tadpole. I'm sweating my bag off in here, Lloyd. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. And uh, with that, I guess we'll turn up the heat and uh, see what... Uh, turn up the heat. See. Oh, crap story? Or what? I really Tell whatever you want, man. Yeah, just just let it flow. He's got the edit fly. button over there, pal. Yeah, I'm going to be hammering it. <laughs> I don't know. Just make it some work for him. Yeah, basically, I, I had a different, I had a little different experience than these guys. Never got the the chance to play junior. Kind of wish I did. It would have been a, I think a junior is exactly what I'm about. All my, you know, school here. Uh, but I just one story that just kind of listen to these guys talk. Just I think could kind of touch upon some of the stuff that they mentioned. It was I, I was lucky enough to go to Dexter, uh, which is a prep school in Boston. Great hockey. Uh, great campus, just just a great experience overall there. One of my favorite places ever. Uh, and I just remember coming in kind of cold turkey freshman year, not really knowing many people. And, you know, at the start of the year, I was a freshman. Uh, we had a ton of great guys, a lot of D1 commits. Didn't really know where I was going to kind of shape out in the lineup. And uh, early in the year, in the preseason, um, there were a couple injuries on the back end. A couple older guys got hurt. So I was kind of just right in a a top four role instantly as, you know, a little 15-year-old freshman uh, playing against a lot of older guys. And, you know, I, I had a great freshman season. I was able to kind of fit into a role well, um, played well, was feeling great, you know, making a lot of new relationships and everything. Um, that summer, kept it going, was able to go to the National Development Camp, 17-year, which was awesome. Uh, not a big deal there. Uh, wear the USA colors for a bit. Um, and then, you know, that fall I even kept it going, same thing. And then the last weekend before the prep season started, I hurt my shoulder for the first time at a game, which stinks, you know, fall, fall hockey doesn't really matter at all. It's kind of just, you know, getting your feet under in the fall. Uh, got hurt that last weekend and, you know, it wasn't too serious. I subluxed my shoulder or whatever. It didn't fully come out. Um, but, you know, it kind of was just sore hurt for a while after and I had to miss kind of the first couple weeks of the season and then when I came back you know we brought a ton of guys in that year a lot of really good freshmen a couple older guys and I kind of just didn't see myself in the same role that I kind of left off the year before and all these guys are playing so well I'm barely playing you know prep hockey you don't scratch any guys so you got 8d on the bench every game and you know I'm just kind of in the middle of the bench, kind of just sitting there watching the game. Um, and, you know, I think 
thus far in my hockey career, that was kind of the hardest thing I had to go through because, you know, you're dressing, you're going through the warm-up, you're practicing every day, it's cold out, it's dark out, and then, you know, the best part of hockey when you get to play the games, you're just sitting there, you're not really doing anything to help your team, and, you know, it was just, it, it went on the whole season, you know, my coach kept telling me, hey, like, when are we going to get freshman Bobby Pearl back, and it's just, it's just tough to kind of hear that all the time because, you know, I think these guys could probably say the same thing like there's nothing worse than playing hockey when you're kind of thinking about it and you can't just kind of go out there play your game and have fun it's almost like oh I got to do so and so to to get a bigger role here so I think that was just kind of a, a huge gut check in my hockey career and I think the worst part of that is these guys know my favorite part of hockey is you know the locker room the showers just kind of the time you spend off the ice with the boys and I think what makes it even tougher is coming to the rink every day, knowing that you're not going to play that much this weekend. Um, you're you're going to have to kill penalties in practice. You're not on the power play, but you still kind of just got to put that smile on your face and try to laugh around with the boys, even though like deep down you're like, ah, oh, fuck, like I really don't want to be here. Like I kind of just want to just move on here. And I think something that Joe A talked about um, about the identity as a hockey player. I think especially at a prep school. That year was definitely very helpful in me understanding that, you know, there's a lot more than just sitting at the hockey table every day, only hanging out with the hockey guys. I mean, there's so much more that life has to offer and just kind of putting yourself out there and being able to be, you know, bigger than, than a hockey player. And, you know, you're like, I, we ended up, a lot of the hockey guys on the team ended up being in the acapella group the following year, <laughs> you know, like being in the ambassadors club, like touring people around campus, I think. You know, hockey's awesome, but you got to be a lot bigger person than just the game because it only takes you so far in life like these guys touch upon. Absolutely. I think that kind of rounds out what I was sort of looking for in the discussion today. Obviously, we got all different perspectives on what it really means psychologically to like have that athlete identity and kind of what about it shapes and how it changes with time and the certain things you go through as an athlete. And quite frankly, not everybody can really understand that and I think psychologically there's also certain demands as a, as like a male in society to really have to tough out those things as at least for the time being there there are there's such a high social expectation that comes with the identity of being an athlete and I think that's something you see even at Bowdoin a place that from a f all around social standpoint doesn't seemingly care too much about the lives of athletes and doesn't really want to open that, open that door. And I, I think what this really leads to is one thing that I, I think so many, so many people I know confronted over the last year and a half or two through this time, like this crazy unprecedented time of COVID is having that opportunity and that, in that aspect of your identity just robbed from you. Like there, there were people more like me who kind of were already on their way out. But I think especially for dudes who are still in the, thick of it, both, I mean, not even just dudes, everybody, uh, everybody going through the thick of it of their athletic career and having to deal with that, having to deal with that, like, sense of loss and a uh, sense of purpose. And I, I think that's something that was really underestimated psychologically by everybody kind of making the decisions over the last couple of years. And you see it manifest in all aspects of the game, like all, you see pro football players themselves even having to take some time off. and. I mean, 
in in the American view, those are the ultimate tough guys. And I, I think really losing athletics for so many people was uh, so detrimental. And then also, you guys touched upon the team dynamic and losing that probably more than anything else. And just kind of losing the ability, especially in college, to be around the people that prior to all this you spent all your time with. Yeah. And really I was hoping to just kind of open up the discussion from there and just kind of how you guys experienced COVID as an athlete and as a student as well, because I'm trying to focus on all aspects of the board. So whoever wants to open up first, take it away. Joey, you got your you got your hand up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, that's an experience that I don't think will ever, hopefully never, like any athletes will ever have again. I think that was not only could, I, I would say you mentioned that team is like, I think for me, and I agree with you, the most important part about sports, that's like, that's like what I think when everything else is like kind of hitting the fan, the team is like what you have when you can like, you can't really rely on anything else. And even then last year, I mean, we were all together. Like we lived in the fall, we lived off campus, we lived near each other. So that was good. And then we lived on campus in the spring, but there were guys we haven't seen, we, we didn't see for over a year. Like a lot of them too. We, we didn't meet our, fr I didn't meet our freshmen until the spring. So I couldn't really get to know them for a year. Like it, it, it was super delayed and I, I don't think it's, it's hard to tell whether that's taken an effect on this year, but I think that was just something that I think this school in particular kind of made hard for us, our team and every other team that kind of went through the same thing. Um, so there's that. There's I think the relationships have kind of been hard to kind of get back or just like took a while, whatever. And then, yeah, I mean, I didn't come to Bowdoin just for hockey. I came to Bowdoin for so many other reasons. It's a highly reputable school and there's great people and this is kind of where I saw myself, but hockey was a huge part of what I saw myself doing there. And I wanted to keep playing for four more years and I wanted to get the absolute most out of it. So one whole year of hockey removed is something that I'm never gonna get back, which is, I mean, they actually technically given me another year, but I can't really use it. I'm graduating at 24 years old. I probably should graduate, <laughs> but, uh, but I guess it was for most yeah, of Yeah, we'll even at Bowdoin, like I can't, like I'm not gonna get that year back. And that's a year of like so many memories and just so many opportunities to compete and do what I love. And I know it's not, you know, hockey, I don't want that to be a full focal point of my identity, but it still is. It's still something that I love to be a part of and I still love to compete. I still love to get up and grind every day. It's like, so yeah, that, I mean, I think the school, I mean, they did what they had to do. It's in the past, but I think they were negligent to a lot of things that I think also came with us not being able to compete in sports. And I mean, I want, I mean, I'd love to hear your. I mean, you've we've talked about this off mic before, but I think your experience with COVID and football has kind of been very unique. And I know a lot of people. You know, one of our teammates quit hockey for other reasons um, yeah. to focus on other things. But he, after like a year and a bit of not playing, he just decided to hang him up for. And that's that's you know because he, he just missed a year to kind of make that decision elsewhere um, in another way. But yeah, that's kind of my take on it. A little you know just don't want to be too salty about it still, but you know, is what it is. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with Joey Jets over there. Uh, a year off is, is unbelievably huge, and I know that the summer of COVID coming in, like I even like last summer there was still crazy restrictions and I really didn't skate that much. It tests your will for the game. But um, I think what Joe is like pointing out more was the relationships and, you know, you miss out on a lot of stuff. 
with these guys. But the good thing is, like, the guys that you know, you know that because, like, through this team, they're still going to be there after it. But kind of missing it out on some time to connect with new guys that are coming to the program. And I'm sure it was harder for them coming in not knowing their teammates than it was for guys on the existing team. Because they, like, we still had that, that network, and they're coming in kind of blind. I know from our experience, though, me living with uh, Joe and Bob this, uh, this spring and this fall, one of the kind of unique experiences was a lot of the guys in the grade above us took the year off, and a lot of the other, well, the freshmen weren't allowed on campus, and then uh, the seniors that were on our team weren't on campus either. So there was, a, I think there was eight of us, there was seven or eight of us that were on campus. And that's not a huge number of kids, so you can't base your whole social life around that. So it kind of gave us the experience to actually open up some doors that I might not have otherwise opened. Like, I got to meet all these new kids on campus um, and really start to hang out with them because you're not just going to, what, are you going to have a party with eight hockey kids? And, I mean, I don't know about these guys, but I met some kids that I've become friends with that are, like, awesome that I, I really probably wouldn't have become friends with otherwise like we mix with other teams like mostly girls teams and stuff when we go out um but I got to become good friends with like football guys basketball guys like regular students just it was kind of a rewarding experience because most of my friendships have been at least in definitely at Salisbury but I, at Groton I had a little bit more of, of a wider range of friends but like in juniors every one of your friends is a hockey player so it kind of got me to like see other people's like views and learn like about their experiences and like what they see at Bowdoin and I think that was one of the unique parts about it but again it, it really sucked because that that friend base that I could lean on uh my grade was here but like didn't see some of like uh the guys on our team and it, it was tough but I think you know there's a little bit of a silver lining where now I'm friends with and like hanging out in Smith and just seeing all these people there. And, and it's just, it's kind of awesome. Cause even like just walking by like in passing, you just be like, Oh, Hey, like what's going on. And I never had that. I mean, granted the only other time I was here was a freshman and didn't know most of the school, but now like I still don't know basically two grades because of COVID, but it's pretty cool that I have a wider range of people I know now because of COVID. Yeah, I'd say I definitely could relate to that in a big way. I mean, I pretty much have the spring semester for my friendship with all three of you guys. Otherwise, I mean, I didn't really know you guys were a dick before that. <laughs> and uh, the counter to that, though, of course, is that there was such a great penalty at yeah. stake for, for gathering groups and really actually yeah. just trying to be social. Yeah. I mean, true. you want to... got hard in the relationships a bit, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... <laughs> Nothing like hiding in a basement yeah, trying yeah. to hide your one card. Yeah. All of a sudden, well, it's I don't like... have my one card on me. What <laughs> What's your name? Bobby Murray. <laughs> Kevin Orgway. <laughs> Sorry, boy. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I mean, it, this just all goes to show all the things we had to go through. It was such a unique experience. I mean... I would hop on a Snapchat story and see my friends actually having a college experience. Yeah. And I think that it just allowed me to get so sour. Oh, yeah. Just at this school. And I carried around such a such a petty nature. I just, I like, I almost wanted to get caught. I kind of wanted, in, in a way, of giving them the finger. Like, it was like, let's, like, let's pack this place. 
Let's have as many people show up. Bring to, this place to the ground. Yeah, to a fucking pine apartment. It's <laughs> all like 14 people if you're lucky. It's packed all the wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just... The fact we were in Brunswick, Maine, going through the strictest regulations I've ever seen while my friends off at state schools are having the time of their goddamn lives still. We're testing three times a week. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just... Masking outside. I felt, I felt like I was... I don't know. I felt like I was going crazy. Yeah. Who did you live with again? Uh, in the spring, I was with a couple people that would have been in the college house overflow with me. So you were in, oh. you were in tower, I was in right? tower, yeah. Yeah, so... Those had, rooms are prison cells. Yeah, so that's, like... They're not great. Let's be... Let's call it space. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, you're tra if you can't leave either Cole's Tower or Thorne Dining Hall, that is quite literally yeah. a prison cell. Yeah. I mean... For two weeks. Like, we, <laughs> yeah, got, yeah. we got lucky... Me and Bob and uh, Ian Small, Bobby Murray, shout out. Uh, we, uh, we we had a chamber quad. We had a huge common room and like a like a dining table and whatever. And you were in Pine Joe and you had like a dining table and everything. But there were kids that were like legitimately in prison cells, like a chamber single, that is like a, a four by six room where you have a bed, like a tiny desk, and maybe a beanbag like chair. Feet or yards. Four by six meters. Oh, <laughs> I think so. Uh, like we're talking about the spring right now, and I think what was even way more drastic was just the fall. I mean, I think the fall was one of the hardest things ever. Just zero structure to your day. Yeah. Maybe we're lucky to hop on Zoom for you know what would take up three hours of your day to just sit on Zoom on class and just barely listen, and then you just had the rest of the day to just do nothing. You had, like, especially me, because these guys live in Portland, and I live, like, 25 minutes south. And for a good chunk of the fall, like, I was just solo living in the house, and I would just get in the worst routines ever, like, sleeping in until 11, going to bed at 2. And you just sit there without sports, you know, without stuff to do, like, that you would maybe be able to do at school, and just do nothing. It's impressive. It was, it was yeah. horrible. That was the worst part. Like, I just... The, the, the fact that they made us just be remote for the entire fall was just the craziest thing ever. I think it's yeah. the first time that I, like, genuinely, like, looked forward to, like, the weekends. Not even to, like, drink, but just to see people. Just to, like, yeah, have, like, a congregation when I, like, again, I had Joe and Kimber, but, like, we did the same thing. We'd cook, and we'd sit, do our homework for, like, two hours. We have, like, video games, and then getting a workout. Like, that's it. That's all we had to do. Uh, also, I don't know about you guys, but I felt that given the lack of actual structure, and this just, I think a lot of people could say this about just the, how professors decide to structure their classes, I had so much more fucking homework. Like, insane. Oh, yeah. Like, I felt like there were days where I wouldn't have, like, I, like I'd like i be doing work from the time, like, I finished breakfast till like, the time I went to bed. Yeah. Between, like, I don't, like, it was just nuts. Like, there was no limit to what they could do, where they just add other readings, discussion posts, like longer homeworks. I don't know. Also, it's just it was like we we took like pretty decently hard classes yeah. in the fall, but like that was I have not felt that way this fall being here again. I feel like there is something to do with the amount of time we had. I mean, yeah. I I think what you just spoke to is something that this school has kind of run off the rails with in the last couple of months. Is really just because mm. in the back in the spring, I mean, yeah, we all had to we all had to sign the agreement. But a group, a group of individuals all got caught off campus at a party, threw them off campus, and some of them had to, who had in-person classes, actually had to drop those classes, even when 
the professors were more than like more than willing to to make it online for them. Really? Because yeah, I, yeah, I, I knew a guy they were who trying to make an example out of them. To, well, it makes sense that they were trying to like prevent people from doing it again. But I mean, I don't. I just didn't know the professor. The I way they went about it. Yeah. yeah. Professors were able to. I didn't know that part. Yeah, yeah. professors were like, like no, we'll like make it work, and they're just like, no, you're not making it work. Like, yeah. They're done. Which I, I just thought was a wild situation all around, especially. Yeah. Especially, I, I knew people who had three classes in person. Like, yeah. the hell do you do at that point? You go home, you take one class the rest of the semester, and then just, I guess, I guess just fit foe. Like, figure it the fuck out. Especially like, if you're not on aid. You're, like, yeah. you're paying, what is that, 70 grand to not go to get credits? Yeah. But yeah, I think really all, all we're going to here is there's so many aspects that the school kind of... And I mean, you see the negligence as we proceed into this semester with... I mean, I'm not going to speak to anything in particular, but there's been so many bumps in the road. And I think you look at things like our campus Yik Yak, and there's such a massive group of people frustrated with this place. And I don't see any attempt at like an administrative level to, to change things. They're not yeah. reaching out to students and they're not. And, and I think there's so many things wrong with the entire college process right now. There's just so much frustration and outrage at the school. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think I speak for everyone in this room that we've all had at least three opportunities where we're like, fuck this, I'm transferring. In probably the last year alone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I know, I know when our season got canceled before other, I, I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, our season was the first one to get canceled in the NESCAC and other like schools hadn't yet. And I was like, what? the fuck like why are we first guys out like why are we like like Tufts is still playing and they're in Boston like why are we first guys out and then everything canceled so it's like okay this is way more serious than I originally thought but then you still look at like some other schools and when they're going back they have lighter restrictions and like are having less like COVID cases like you looked at Colby and Colby almost had like what we have or we had like more this fall at the beginning and they were like doing fine. Well, basically, we didn't get the masks, even outdoors lifted. I think did until we play like in the uh, shoe until after our final. I mean, yeah, yeah until after like the, the final. After I think we that. played the shoe with masks. I mean, we were supposed to. Yeah, technically. <laughs> the craziest no, thing going me. off that point, Brownies. We're up in Brunswick, Maine. There's no yeah. cases, and then you look at like the Hockey East, and you got BCBU Northeastern playing. Yeah. who is in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. Millions of people are there. And we're up here in a nice little town in Maine. And just tucked away. Tucked away. We're not doing anything. It's just, that was the craziest part to me, is that schools, if they wanted to, made it work. Yeah. And we simply did not make it yes. work. Yes, yes. So, well, I think somebody had, like, uh, played, like, nine games. Like, USM had played, like, nine or ten games last Last year, Colby played four. I mean, they could have played more too. I think. Yeah. Um, Just, it's definitely frustrating seeing other kids with the opportunity when you feel like you should be given that same opportunity and you don't have that kind of power to to yeah. do it. And again, the, I get that the administration was doing what they saw was best and how they could protect our community, but I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say I agree with everything. I mean, there, there's protecting a community from a COVID standpoint, but you got a group of 18 to 23, 24-year-old people who probably, I mean... Yeah, no one's dying around here. 
Yeah, like, like you, I mean, obviously, obviously, you keep the door open to that opportunity and like be conscious and respectful of people who who do have like autoimmune things and yeah. have to have to deal with that sort of extra stress in these times, but. I mean, when it's turning into an all-out battle over a girl's lacrosse post on the Boned Instagram, like, <laughs> dude, Remind what the hell quick. was that? Remind me quick, what happened? One of the girls had a mask down below their nose on, on a video of them doing an exercise outside, and the comment section lit up, just berating the team for not giving a shit about COVID standards, and it turned into this huge, healthy, non-athlete battle that I think that... Like that angst has carried over into the semester, and you just see it everywhere on campus. That was and, on Bone's main Instagram page too, by the way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, was, yeah, I don't get that. It like, was nuts. Try, like, you can't. Get, have some of these people that like are commenting, have they tried to like work out and do calisthenics <laughs> with a mask on? I like. I'm not sure. Like, especially outside, and it falls below, and God forbid, like you weren't. Like, it falls below and you just yeah. go, oh, sorry, guys, like, within half a second. Yeah. But I think it just goes to show that the whole culture around here got so skewed and screwed over the last, like, year and a half. It's hardly the school I remember it being before yeah. from either, like, an academic or social standpoint. And it just feels like there's so many massive changes being forced upon the student body that... I don't even know where the... Like, there, there doesn't seem to be much of a say in. I, I remember... Like earlier this semester, there was something, something happened on campus, and the student body really looked to the student government to have their backs on it and take it to administration and request a day off. And then, in the form of that super subjective granting of professor autonomy, the school was like, "In this situation, we're going to give the professors the choice to like have their class or not." Which then, of course, takes all weight off them to be the the the. Uh, the guys on guys or girls on either side of the good bad ugly divide, and I don't. There's just so they're playing chess. I mean, there's just so many aspects of the school that instill so much extra anxiety because yeah. you really don't know what you're gonna. There's gonna be something new every day. Yeah. Like all this, like neither of us check our emails for two hours. All of a sudden, we're getting berated walking into the library for not having our masks on over an email sent 20 minutes ago. Yeah. That's so, yeah, it, especially last year, it's just a little bit of like a big brother feeling on a college campus where I feel like if I step, a f there were times last year where I'd leave campus and I'd feel like, holy fuck, like this feels great. Like, I don't, I feel like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not being watched or like I have to worry That's about these very specific rules. Yeah. So that was, I don't know, that was just unfortunate. I think not something you really plan on to endure during college, and I don't think anyone should have to, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I will say it's gotten better, but Lloyd, it's interesting that you talk about kind of the angst that people have felt since then, and kind of like, I don't know, just the, very, the, the mass frustration with the administration, and it almost feels like there's so much like, I don't want to throw like buzzwords out here, but it almost seems like they're so focused on their virtue, and like how they look, and Holy buzzword. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's right. I don't want to have a buzzword out, but let me throw this one out. <laughs> anyway, that's, yeah, it, that's kind of my, my spiel on that. I mean, it's just overall. Then, I mean, I think all across the board from everybody I've talked to, this last semester has been one of the hardest semesters of college ever. Like, it's just such a new experience going back. And I don't even feel like the professors have even changed their workloads. Like, I think 
I'm still working just as much. I just have all my in-person, on-school um, responsibilities to attend to at the same time. And I mean, it's been hellish. I mean, last semester, the highlight of my week was getting off campus to finally go to Walmart to, to buy a fucking 30 rack or whatever <laughs> it's going. Like, like the it's highlight like of the week was the weekend. And I think that aspect of my life led into so many other issues down the road, as, as I've explained in other episodes, and as I'll continue to explain my own issue with substance abuse and and I mean this is something you've all been witness to in the past like just my my own experiences over serving myself and whatnot and I, I don't I don't even know if that would have happened without the way things have gone at this yeah. campus and I mean at the end of the day I gotta look inwards and focus on myself but I like there's so many stresses and anxieties and really just my overall de like depressive state has just tanked yeah. since all that has happened here. Would you uh, care to update us on your progress so far, past two weeks, what you've learned or anything? I mean, really just the ability to be so clear-headed. Like, I didn't realize how much alcohol really affected my anxiety and my overall productivity. Like, going into finals week and looking around and seeing people hungover and knowing <laughs> that was probably me and not even close to my worst, and seeing them struggle, I was like, oh, like, it, it was just a little uh, uh, promising, but a little bit of a dark mirror into, into my own experiences. But obviously, I've had a lot of extra time to reflect, and I think that's something that I'll delve into a lot on other episodes. And uh, you'll, you'll sort of see the, the clarity, and I think even just sitting here with you guys, being able to have this whole conversation is, I, I think it's a thing that a lot of people will experience, is just the fact that we're all having a hell of a, like, a hellish time and I, I think that extends probably far beyond Bowdoin I mean just the fact that like we got a new strain out and like this this stress this anxiety isn't going anywhere and I think a lot of people have to finally take the time to really confront the things that they've experienced emotionally and mentally going through that and all the frustrations and I think really coming to terms with trying to understand and trying to level with all the policies and things that the school has instilled um, has has really let me mellow myself out a little bit because at the end of the day they they want your seventy thousand dollars a year they do but obviously there's certain things that they put above that and i think really trying to understand the school's prioritization of certain aspects has been really interesting and i think i don't even have a conclusion on it yet i still am obviously loaded with my own opinions and insults to toss in the direction, but I, I think there's a really outspoken majority of frustrations at this campus, and it's about fucking time people started listening to them. I agree. That's very true. Yeah. A lot of people deal with their own stuff, but it's not like outlets for a lot for, for people to be able to like do kind of what you're doing and be able to talk about it openly. Yeah. And I know at least myself, I could probably speak for Joey and Bobby, saying we were thrilled to get the invite to come on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that a ton, guys. Obviously, I'd love to have you back on sometime, sort of. Recurring guest. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I mean, <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope you guys continue to tune in and really take the things that I'm working on myself and, like, really reflect about them in your own ways. And I think this is something that, everybody I know has the opportunity to grow from and listen to 
and I really appreciate you guys taking the time to maybe step out of your comfort zone because that's really where growth happens and that's the whole point of this podcast is growing, growing collectively, yeah. growing for the sake of growing our community together. Yeah. Sweat my balls off for a reason in here, man. Yeah, yeah, really proud of you, man. This is a big step. I think uh, it's a better platform than Yik Yak to get some thoughts out there, a little bit more moderated, a little bit more thought through. So absolutely, and also you're doing a great thing for other people who think the same way. So appreciate it. Thank you. Doing a great job, brother. Love you, kids. Speaking of uh, grow, do you have a tough time growing in the bed? Many people, especially us, have these problems. Uh, one way to turn is Roman swipes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, I really appreciate having you on here, being able to step out and do that. This has been awesome. A lot of fun. Um, obviously, there's so much work to be done on ourselves and at the school, and uh, I really appreciate you sharing your perspective on what it means to be an athlete and really being a student athlete in particular in this time at the school all of the above and uh couldn't be more proud to call you guys friends of mine and uh can't wait to see how the rest of the season goes for you boys thanks buddy with that i'll be signing off for the day this was another episode of the things i haven't even told my therapist and i can't wait to continue growing with you guys have a great day mm-hmm.